Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. Hello and welcome to the December edition of our Book Hub event for Faith Lead. Today we are talking about how do we relate now? Kindness, mental health, and relationships in the midst of the holidays. First, I'd like to introduce Sarah Griffith Lund. She is a pastor in the UCC and Disciples of Christ denominations, a mental health advocate and author most recently of the book, Blessed Union, Breaking the Silence about Mental Illness and Marriage. Sarah, perhaps you'll begin by sharing a moment of connection that is feeding your soul right now and then share a bit about why you wrote your book. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you all. I am Sarah Griffith Lund, she, her pronouns, and I serve as a local pastor of First Congregational United Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. And as part of my ministry, I am in a community of practice. And it's a intentional effort by the Indiana Kentucky Conference of the UCC to support clergy mental health and well-being. We started a year ago, and uh, this is a group of uh, five, five or six clergy, and we meet once a month. And we just met this morning, so it's fresh in my mind and on my heart. And these are colleagues in ministry where we covenant to pray together, to share honestly and deeply. And we all shared stories this morning and um, that the connection was just so deep. And we were able to remind each other that um, no matter what's happening in the church, all the challenges, especially Advent uh, season, it's so busy. We are all called by God. And we were able to affirm each other's callings. And it was a really beautiful gift. And so um, I wrote my book, Blessed Union, to help encourage communities to have these spaces of authentic sharing, to tell the true stories that help us to heal. So many of us are experiencing uh, exacerbated mental health challenges during the pandemic. You know, before the pandemic, it was one out of four people had a diagnosable mental health challenge. Now rates of depression and anxiety are really high. And so my book looks at uh, partnerships, marriages, uh, whoever you're committed to in a relationship, how we can navigate our promises to love and take care of each other when oftentimes we face unexpected challenges that push all of our buttons. So Blessed Union works to break that silence about mental illness and marriage. And I'm, I'm really honored to be sharing about this work and to have this time with you all today. Thank you. Sarah, how do you unpack um, mental health issues and really bringing healthy perspective to our closest relationships? Thank you so much. I wanted to share from lived experiences. So um, I am a person who has lived with mental health challenges in my own life and in my uh, family I grew up in and now in my uh, married life. And so uh, being kind to ourselves and the people we choose to be family with really has a lot to do with encouraging um, the well-being of their mental health. And so it is a deep kindness to my loved ones when I go to therapy. It is a, a deep kindness to me when they go to therapy. <laughs> and so my husband and I talk openly and he's um, supported my sharing this part of our story 
that oftentimes um, we will say, you know, um, going to therapy is the best thing you can do uh, for our marriage or for our kids. You know, it's your mental health. My mental health is really uh, for our family, such a key part of our kindness, right? And so one thing I had to learn early on is that sometimes symptoms of mental illness causes behaviors that are unkind. And uh, I learned that just watching my dad growing up with untreated bipolar disorder, you know, as a child, I was scared. I didn't know why he acted the way he did. And it's taken a long time to realize that some of his unkind behavior was a symptom of his serious untreated mental illness. And unfortunately for my mom, uh, that meant a divorce because he was not in a place where he was able to get treatment. And so the kind thing that she did uh, for our family was to get a divorce. And so to Bruce's excellent point, sometimes the kindest thing to do is to walk away. And so uh, it's, it's complicated, right? It's not a one size fits all. Um, but in my book, I talk about, you know, for those marriages where there is a possibility of recovery and treatment, one of the best and most loving things we can do is go to therapy, take our medications, you know, be open to support groups. If it's an addiction, you know, the recovery model is one I highly recommend. And so I wanted to share with you from my book, um, the section I wrote, which is imagining our our commitment through this lens of, of considering mental health and kindness. And I talk about it because it, it's separating the illness or the disability or the diagnosis from the person. And so I call it a new vow for marriage. And it goes like this. This is my promise to you. I will see you as a whole person and not as your worst symptom. I will love you for who I know you to be and not for how you feel or behave. This is my promise to me. I will see myself as a whole person and not as my worst symptom. I will love myself for who I am known to be and not for how I feel or behave. This is my promise to us. We will seek support from family and friends and from wider circles of care so that we can faithfully fulfill these promises. So I think what happens a lot of times when a couple gets married, it's like, okay, now they've married each other and now they go off. And it can be really isolating. And same thing with pastors, you know, we ordain people into ministry and then you go off to serve your church. But we are all human and we, we all need wide networks of care and support so that we can flourish. Um, as people and mental health in my lived experience has been key to that flourishing. Talk to us about promoting mental health and kindness in online spaces, churchy spaces, personal spaces, public spaces. Sarah, why don't you lead this time? I'm going to start by talking about email because um, Email can get really tricky really fast. And um, I'm embarrassed. I won't tell you how many emails are in my inbox because I know like some people try to clear those out and I'm, I'm not ready for that. For that. But um, I try to um, engage in, in email in a way that's as brief as possible. And so um, there's a culture in my current congregation 
where there's really complex in-depth email exchanges in groups of people. And so one of the things I've done for my mental health is just a boundary and just to choose, you know, my style of engagement in email is, is brief and to the point and anything further or more nuanced than that is a phone call. And I, and I share that because that's sort of how I engage with social media. Um, I like to share in my uh, Facebook, you know, what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a, a female identifying pastor, what it means to be a mom and the ministries that I do. And so that's really um, how I choose to publicly share in social media. I also use it for some uh, groups I'm in. So Facebook groups are really life-giving. And so that's uh, where maybe I had some deeper exchanges. But for me, social media has not been a place where I have choose to um, engage in a deep way back and forth. Um, I save that for, for other ways of communication. And that's just what works for me. I'm also mindful of, of all the latest news that we've heard about the damage that social media platforms have done, especially for youth mental health, um, especially body image for young girls. So that has me really rethinking as a society how we use social media. Uh, my church does have a page and then we have a, a social group that's a fellowship group. And um, we, we try to engage there, but more in a playful way and more as a way to share, you know, what, what events are going on, um, how can people connect more deeply to the church. My dissertation was about the challenges of building beloved community on Facebook. And so I really see that it's a place of potential, but it's not, um, it doesn't take the place of incarnate embodied communication. How do we engage these conversations with people in our congregations? Where, where are the moments, where are the spaces where you do that other than modeling as a leader, which you're always doing, um, but where could you actually teach or coach about um, taking care of each other's mental health and practicing kindness? In my tradition, the United Church of Christ, we have a mental health Sunday. It's the third Sunday of May. But I'd like to say that every Sunday is a mental health Sunday. And so there are ways in your worship life that you can highlight um, the reality that a lot of us are feeling sad, mad, lonely, scared, frustrated, hopeless, discouraged. And the more we can name that in the sanctuary through prayers and through the way you interpret the Bible, uh, the better. For example, Advent is a season of, of waiting. We have a blue Christmas service. Um, it's going to be on Zoom Friday night. And so uh, think of ways that as a faith community, we can name the presence of God in the midst of the hard stuff. One of the, the cruelest tricks of lots of forms of mental health challenges is it lies to us, makes us think we are alone, makes us think we are unlovable. And so, um, you know, we wear a mask most of the time and the person who is hurting the most, you'll be shocked at, at the unbearable pain that people carry. Uh, we're going into the season of um, higher thoughts of suicide in the winter months. It's a very difficult time. So my, my greatest wish is that you would every Sunday when you gather in worship, including your prayers, name it out loud, people dealing with depression, people dealing with feelings of anxiety, give out resources in your 
um, bulletin, nami.org, N-A-M-I.org. There people can find online and in-person support groups. And then Mental Health America has some of the best free online screenings. If you go to Mental Health America, you can get screened and it's it's going to show you, you know, where are you on that spectrum of mental health and then give you resources that are uniquely suited for whatever you're going through. And so that's how we can really bring these resources into our congregations. And worship is one of the best, most powerful ways to do that. One of the advantages to a book about mental health or a book about kindness is that it does not just have to be an inside the church conversation, right? These are public conversations. And in fact, leading them is a public service. I mean, it's not quite evangelism, but it's like, look, somebody cares. So that is, that is reaching out. Um, I wonder if you have any ideas for how to have this conversation in the public sphere. Where are the spaces and opportunities you could see your book or the conversations you lead happening in public? In Blessed Union, it's really about breaking the silence about our lives and how we're touched by mental health challenges. And so the book is a gift I would love to see everyone give to people who are engaged or who are in a serious partnership. I've had people say, you know, I wish I had this book when I got married, you know, 30 years ago, um, because a lot of the resources around marriage don't address the reality that so many people have a mental health disability. And so when they talk about, you know, live happily ever after, they say things like do the dishes and, you know, give your partner a massage. And it's like, well, what if somebody has clinical depression and literally can't get out of bed for two days? You know, them doing the dishes isn't going to help that part of our marriage. And so in the book, I talk about churches hosting mental health first aid trainings. And so that's... Um, an opportunity, I invite all of you to look up Mental Health America and they do these one day trainings. Our church has hosted them. You get a certificate and they have a special training for youth as well. And so our faith communities can be the space and the place to get mental health education. And the Surgeon General just released a report about youth mental health and how to protect youth in America. And the Surgeon General's calling upon community partners to do this work. And the faith community is the perfect place to do the work. And you will be serving the community and you'll be serving future generations. And so Mental Health America is a great place to start. 